Hey, everybody, and welcome to the UGA Sports Live Show. My name is Roddy DeBolsey. I'm joined by former Georgia Bulldogs head coach Jim Dunn, and Dane Young will be joining us later in, a, in the show, probably in about five, ten minutes, depending on how long it takes him to uh, work out the kinks on his end. I've had some kinks on my end. It's all kinky in here, coach. And then the world's largest outdoor cocktail party showing up. And I'll kind of, I mean, we can go back and talk about the Vandy game, but that was kind of a blowout. I don't think we need to talk about it too much. Georgia did what they were supposed to, but they've had the bye week and now things get a lot tougher. And I don't know that maybe they get a lot tougher with Florida, but then, you know, Mississippi State, Tennessee looks phenomenal. Let's, let's basically take this moment now that we've had the uh, bye week to split the season into two parts. That first 7-0, fantastic. But now the last few games, it's almost like a completely separate season where things are going to be much harder. So kind of give me your thoughts on where Georgia stands right now and what's coming up with the Gators. When we first started the season out, I was really impressed with Georgia, just the fact that we played so well against Oregon and we had all of our marbles in the ring you know we had carter we had mitchell uh we had a lot of young players that were developing and uh, really played our best game with our best players uh since then we've had an inordinate amount of injuries uh particularly uh to to the star player uh, carter hurts his ankle in the oregon game then his knee against missouri mitchell gets hurt against samford and has had just a nagging high ankle sprain ever since and it's really affected our deep ball passing game where he's just a tremendous guy. So um, now we're not quite the uh, star-laden team that we were then, but we have had a tough road win when we didn't play well. We played, uh, you know, pretty convincingly the rest of the game. So uh, last week was a good time to really assess where we were, maybe uh, drop some things that they thought might work and that, that weren't working as well add something that maybe uh, help uh, our offense, defense, and kicking game and uh, get some players healthy, hopefully, plus rest them up a little bit. So down the stretch, we definitely got some tough games. There's no question that Tennessee's better than we thought they were going to be. Uh, defensively, they still got some issues, but uh, they're very, very tough out to stop them offensively. Kentucky's got their quarterback back. Mississippi State's kind of a name, you know, you never know what they're going to do, but we're down there. And then, uh, you know, Tech's won a couple games. So we got a tougher stretch than we had. But I still feel good about when you look at one through 44 against every team we play, we're pretty good, our one through 44. Uh, by that, I mean our offense, defense too deep, and our special teams that add in there. So uh, it's going to be a – Always tough game for Florida. You can say, hey, you can throw the record books out. But really, uh, it just means so much. It's a historical game for every kid that ever plays in it. And sometimes people come up with uh, Herculean efforts and uh, play out of their mind. Uh, I know we'll forget when uh, Will Muschamp's team just pounded us with 400-some yards rushing that game where I thought we were, you know, a prohibitive favorite and uh, could get, couldn't get off the field on defense. Uh, so it's going to be a test for us. We'll go over what, what it's going to take to beat them. But I would say right now uh, I'm happy with where our team is right now. I wish we were a little better having the healthy guys back. But uh, we survived one scare. And, uh, you know, I think anybody would be glad to be 7-0 and at this point. 
I want to talk about two of the guys you mentioned being out simply because we've kind of been circling the Florida game as maybe the return game for A.D. Mitchell and Jalen Carter. And I thought that uh, Mark Weiser had a good question for Kirby. I don't think Kirby heard him correctly because I think what Mark was asking was, what do you miss when Jalen Carter is out? Is it his the fact that you have to double team him? That is he better on twists and stunts? You know, what is it about him being out that is makes it such a difference maker? Because uh, I'm thinking about Anthony Richardson, and I'm thinking you know Georgia's faced some running quarterbacks and guys like that. But going into this game, the the performances he's had, the performance Jordan Davis owned this game when he was playing and killing that center. You know, you showed me that. I didn't realize it was such a big deal, but. I'm thinking, you know, against this Florida team, against Tennessee, with how, what is it about Jordan, uh, Jalen Carter's game that makes it, it I don't say irreplaceable, but you take two steps back. And then I'm asking you the same thing about A.D. Mitchell. Why can't somebody else just do what A.D. Mitchell does? So, well, in the case of uh, Jalen Carter, special. yeah, you just got a guy that's, uh, uh, you know, we've always talked about D linemen are like dinosaurs. They're just, they just don't come down the pike very often. They can run and they're physical and can just strike you like he does and uh, plays with intent. You know, he really plays uh, with a lot of intensity and he just enjoys destroying people. I mean, the guy <laughs> is a really a destructive force and he really enables some of our players to really probably get drafted higher last year because of the, of the way people had to, uh, you know, take care of him on the line of scrimmage. So, uh, but, but it, you know, nobody's, uh, you know, you, you can't say that anybody could just be every player out there. You could find a reason we couldn't play without him, but he's certainly the best player in the country right now, in my opinion, that isn't playing that could really help our team. Uh, I just think, just the fact that he's such a force up front, he can rush the passer, he can play the run, he can, uh, you know, people have got to take, particularly with our younger linebackers who've developed, he, he makes you, you know, block the first level so he's hard to get to the second level. As far as A.D. Mitchell, you know, we, we have a different style passing game than maybe some that I've been involved with. I used to have my receivers that could play all positions. They could play flanker, inside slot uh, wide receiver on the other side, whatever it might be, because, you know, we weren't quite as precise in what we tried to do. Bunkin has his own professional uh, uh, ways that they got routes that they like to do and, uh, or we like to do at Georgia. And so there's, there's not a lot of uh, moving around. I mean, if you're a slot, you're a slot. If you're a flanker, you're a flanker. If you're split in, you're split in. And the ingredients he wants with that split end is just a really deep threat. They can go up and get the ball. They can catch the back shoulder catches, and they can run the intermediate routes with a lot of uh, velocity by that coming out of your break, uh, catching the square end, coming out of your break on the slant, things like that. Uh, you know, Roseby's come along. He's had a little trouble with an ankle too, uh, Meeks and – and Bell are certainly good young players, but they they don't have near the explosiveness that uh, we have with Mitchell. And you know, last year he really bucking uh, as good as uh, as George was. He always played Mitchell maybe more than George, even when George could be playing. So he's got his own feeling about the guy, and uh, I do too. I think he's really good, but I would have to play Kiara some over there, Blaylock over there some, but. 
that's just me, but uh, that's why he's the offensive coordinator. He's got the way he does things. And, you know, you got certain criteria for each position, and uh, Mitchell certainly feeds, uh, f- fills that very uh, adequately. And But the thing about it, that uh, just talking a little bit, a little longer than normal, but, you know, a high ankle sprain, they have one kind of surgery that they call a tightrope surgery where they can go in there and, and you know, basically that's what it is. You, you reattach that and, and get your uh, ankle more solid. But this one wasn't uh, the kind that you could do that with. Arian Smith had that, and he's back. But uh, this this young man has just been plagued with it all, uh, all you know, since Sanford game. And then he was almost ready, and then he hurt his thumb the week of the Auburn game, and it really wasn't full speed there. And so I don't know what the projection is, but I guarantee you we're not going to hold anybody back for this game to play Tennessee. I promise you we're going to try to win this game if they can play. So uh, if they don't play, it's because they're not ready. Yeah, Dane, when we asked Kirby about that, you know, what made 80 Mitchell special, the first thing he said was that twitch that uh, that I – Goes with what Coach Donna said about the explosiveness coming out of the breaks, you know, just uh, that he's, he's a difference maker. And I think that as you guys have shown, I think Lad McConkey's better when A.D. Mitchell's out there. I think he just frees up everybody else. And uh, I'm looking at this Georgia game. I mean, you know, Georgia, Florida, Georgia's like, I've seen 23 and a half point favorite. I've seen a 15 and a half point favorite. You guys do around the league. I haven't been really following Florida. I mean, I was told that A.D., you know, that. AR-15, Florida's back. Napier's got them rolling. Then I saw them kind of get their butts kicked. They did. They threw a ton of yards against uh, Tennessee, but then they also didn't have a throwing touchdown forever. So you guys do around the league. Tell me – give me kind of a breakdown real quick on this Florida team and why Georgia's a three- or four-score favorite in this game. I mean, Anthony Richardson came into the season, people saying – one of the best quarterbacks in the country, future first-round pick. He's not that. He's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong. He can do a lot of things. He also doesn't have weapons around him that are helping him out very much. And so Florida's yeah. offense is kind of stuck in the mud in that way. But I do think there's a bit of folly with this Georgia-Florida game that Georgia fans should look at Georgia-Georgia Tech and learn from this. Because in the last few years, that Georgia-Georgia Tech game just seems kind of like the obligation before the SEC championship. And so while Georgia plays that game, fans tend to be focused on the game that happens seven days later. And I never felt that for Georgia-Florida in my life. (laughs) And I do right now that it seems like there's at least a portion of this fan base that's thinking about Tennessee. Well, let me remind people that this Florida team held Tennessee to three first quarter points, 17 first half points, and got back in the game late to compete with Tennessee. This is the same Tennessee team that went to overtime against Pitt. So let's not just think that Florida doesn't have some good football players. They can compete with Georgia. I don't expect them to keep it very close for the entirety of the game because Florida's weaknesses tend to be the things that Georgia does pretty darn well. But this is not an awful football team. And so I hope people... If it turns out and the expectations are met, I hope people kind of celebrate that because I don't think Georgia does a good job celebrating right now because the expectations are so high. Yeah, that's a good analogy there. I think the, the thing, if you just look at their schedule, they beat a Utah team that beat USC that was undefeated. Uh, they almost lost to a South Florida team that hasn't beaten anybody. I mean, maybe one win in the last 15, but they, they sure should have lost that game. They played Tennessee after, you know, really played really well. Uh, Here's the way I analyze their team. Offensive line is among the better in the country as far as 
the way they've been able to run the ball almost 200 yards a game. And the only time they didn't get it was against Tennessee when they passed for 450 <laughs> and they were really rolling. So they don't give up lost yardage plays. We're not a very good team at creating lost yardage, the, the, probably the least lost yardage sack and lost tackle for lost team that Kirby's had in a long time. So we're not going to get a lot of negative plays on them. They do turn it over some. The receiving core, if you had to rate their team, they, you know, quarterbacks between a B and a B-plus, depending on how he plays, the O-line is almost an A. The, the uh, receiver's probably – Less than that, running back's pretty good. I mean, they this kid's running the ball well. So they can keep the ball away from you if they don't self-destruct. Defensively, secondary is not anything near what uh, Florida you, you know, used to say, well, as LSU, uh, the, uh, the NFL back you, or as it's Florida uh, DBU. Uh, they got a guy that was, you know, third or fourth team on our team uh, starting at corner. And they got Brenton Cox up there at the D line. I, I, I was really kind of, I don't know if I was laughing, but I was listening to Kirby talk about Brenton Cox. I didn't realize that he was quite that destructive, but maybe he is. But uh, <laughs> I guarantee he's going to jump offside at least twice in this game. He always does. So uh, <laughs> he, he's a good player, but uh, he had his reasons for leaving here and uh, he didn't have a really good chance of staying here, from what I understand. So no, he did not. here's the point. Uh, their, their linebacker, they got that Ventrell Miller, uh, is, is that his name? Uh, yeah. Uh, is really a good player along with Pop. Those are the two probably the linebackers in the league probably going to make all conference. Uh, he's really a good player. Uh, kicking game's okay. Uh, but they do have a coach that I think is a really good in-game coach, Billy Napier. Uh, played quarterback at Furman. Uh, his dad was a high school coach. Uh, very similar to Kirby as far as his background. And he knows how to uh, compete in the SEC. He coached for Nick at Alabama. And um, from that, I mean, he coaches a total game, whereas I think Mullen was more uh, offensive coordinator type. This guy here, you know, coaches around his defense and does things like that. So uh, even though he's gone for it a couple of times when I don't think he should have. But so here's the deal. We just got to go down there. We've had uh, – you know, one interception this year, we've had five fumbles, six turnovers in seven games, and we need to make sure that that doesn't happen against this team. Anthony Rich is going to make some – Richardson's going to make some plays. I mean, he's a he's a dynamic – he's just like Cam Newton size-wise, maybe even faster than Cam, maybe not quite as tall. So, uh, it's going to be an interesting scenario, though, because Florida will come out there. I mean, you got to remember as fans here – this is the game for both teams in a lot of ways. And sometimes kids uh, adversity causes some people to break and others to break records. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget that, that quote, because you never know how teams are going to react. They've had a week off. What are they going to do? Uh, so 22 uh, point favorite. I don't know. That's a, that's a hard, hard number to cover, but uh, it could get out of hand if they turn it over. But uh as a complete team here, we haven't talked in two weeks, so I've been thinking about this. We've got to accentuate each other. Our offense has got to make our defense get, get the other team behind where our defense can play down in distance. You read where that Auburn guy was talking about that they're center. That's what their coaches told them. Said, hey, 
this defense is not as good when it's first and 10, second, three, and all that. They're great when it's third and eight, second and 12. So, uh, you know, and that's what we've got to do continually, get, get Florida behind the sticks and behind in the scoreboard, and our defense can swarm you. Uh, if we don't, this team can keep the ball away from us. They will run the ball effectively against us. I can tell you this. What time is it? 12.20 on, on October, whatever it is. They will run the ball on us and get at least – 150 yards rushing, maybe more. I mean, just because you can't shut down people cold. You can't, and that's their strength. They got a good O-line. They got a freshman, redshirt freshman O-lineman that Brent Rollins was bragging about or saying, you know, is ranked among the best-rated PFF scores in the country right now. So I think his name's Barber. Um, So – we'll have a good time. Let's get some questions, but this game's not a lay down. I can promise you that. I think that's what threw everybody off though. Was when it came out, it's like, well, geez, Vegas is thinks this is going to be a walk in the park. And I'm like, Vegas has been wrong all year. They've not been close on some of these Georgia games. So uh, again, you know, my Munsonism and it, I get it tenfold in the Georgia, Florida game. Georgia, Vegas only five, we're five and two against the spread this year, aren't we? Yeah, but I'm just saying the it's, the spreads haven't been close to what the actual games were. You know, they were not 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 anywhere nowhere near it. The point being, when I go to this Georgia Florida game, I'm a child of the '90s. You know, I started covering Georgia '93. Went down there game after game after game. Came back. I told the story a thousand times. Just, so that would make you a child of the '80s. Let me. Well, I'm just saying. A, I'm a, a child of the '90s. I'm a, <laughs> uh, I was I was indoctrinated into this game heavily in the '90s and so forth because that was it's form it's it's a formula building for you. I get it. Yeah. It's formula. Yeah and, yeah, and it just it's so my muscle memory is this game is a loss. <laughs> so it's a lo- and a long ride back on Sunday where you don't you avoid listening to ESPN recaps, you know, you avoid sports talk radio on Sunday because it's like how did Georgia blow it? It just kind of sucks. So uh, I, I tell people all the time, look, my Munsonism isn't as bad until we get to the Georgia-Florida game. And then last week, last year, it's like 28 minutes into the first half, and that's not the game anybody's expecting. And I'm like, this is what happens. But then, hey, no one's going to change the outcome of that game. So, again, I'll be a little more worried about this than a lot of people will be. But at the same time, I think that uh, Georgia and, – And our quarterback, uh, if you look at his record against Florida, I mean, he's one and one, but that, the one year he got hurt. But, uh, you know, he did have two picks last year, I think. Uh, so that's more than he's had this whole season. So just yeah. got to be uh, – you know, I'd like for him to have a breakout game against them too. And you know, hopefully we've looked at what we do and uh, we'll move him around more. I keep talking about that, but he's really effective when he's uh, moving around in the pocket. Not all of these players that come to Georgia grow up Georgia fans, and so they don't always have the context that like a lot of people that listen to shows like this would. Stetson Bennett ain't one of those guys. <laughs> he grew up a massive Georgia fan, and he's from Blackshear. So I can tell you the team that he hates. I think well, this is going to be a big separate. Damn near broke. He said, "Thought he broke his collarbone or broke his clavicle." I asked him about that injury a couple years ago, where he got you know hit pretty hard. That touchdown pass that took Marcus Roseman Jackson out for the year when he broke his uh, ankle, you know, dropped uh, Stetson on his shoulder. His he is he was in agony, and he stayed out there on the field and tried to keep throwing. And he threw had some bad throws, and then they brought in Dewan Mathis, and that didn't work. And everyone's. Uh, the next week, he lost his job to JT Daniels, and everyone said, "Well, okay, JT's the guy going forward." So, uh, 
if anybody has deserves a kind of a, a redo, you know, yeah, he beat him last year, but it wasn't the the uh, Stetson Bennett that we've seen. For a guy that would really want to etch his legacy, he's like, hey, I went two and one against them, and the one I lost was when they broke my shoulder. So I think this yeah. is a, a – you're right. If anybody has it – and, hey, Nolan Smith, come on, man. No, no one knows it. He was at uh, IMG. He knows all about this game. He wants – and he's a very vocal leader. So there's some guys on that team that definitely left, definitely want to put it away. Now, you know, does Branson Robinson know about this, you know, the freshman running back? Probably not. But he will by the time the game hits zero uh, zero on Saturday, so it's it's going to be a tough one. There. I mean, it's going to be a, uh, a fun game. But here's the other thing about Stetson too. Uh, right before he signed with us, he was going to play for Billy Napier at oh, yeah. uh, University of Louisiana. So uh, he's got a, a tremendous respect for the fact that this guy felt en- good enough about him at quarterback that he offered him a scholarship to be his guy, and uh, you know, so he he's got a a really good respect for coach Napier and uh, that's going to help him get ready for this game too, because he's going to go want to go out there and uh, whip up on him. Yeah. He said that uh, when we talked to his mother after the national championship game, we had a great story there that uh, Jed wrote up. He was, that's where he was going. He was going to go play for Billy Napier. And uh, the other, uh, the other guy that he might've gone to play for was at Samford, Chris Hatcher over there. So uh, gets to go against two of the guys that were going to give him a scholarship out of uh uh, his JUCO setting. You know, the interesting right. scenario I want to put too is uh, uh, both Oregon and South Carolina haven't lost since we beat them, and I'm not sure Sanford has either. I don't know how they did last week. They'd won every game, but you can look it up, Dane. But they won every game up until that point. So, well, you're uh, killing my narrative, Coach, because I keep saying we ain't played nobody. Georgia ain't played nobody. Now, if they keep winning, then maybe they have played somebody. So, Oregon's in the top ten now. Yeah, that, that, it, it, does anybody? Well, I guess yeah, I would say uh, Tennessee's win over Alabama is probably the best top ten win, but they could have lost that game if the guy hit the field goal. And they had, you know, Tennessee. I mean, Alabama played like they had a uh, they were high on uh, drugs or something. I mean, that's seventeen penalties, mind boggling. Yeah, Sanford's five and zero since playing Georgia. Wins at Tennessee Tech against Western Carolina at Furman against Walford, and then last Saturday against ETSU, fifty-five to forty-five. We killed the Pirates. Wow. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break and mention our friends over at Prime Shrimp. I try to tell folks about Prime Shrimp all the time because it's a fantastic company. They are a sponsor of our show. They make great, great shrimp. It's a sustainably raised, it's farm-raised uh, shrimp. Uh, it's peeled and packed here in the United States. That's the whole point of it. You know, Prime Shrimp, this was a company that was in New Orleans that started in the 1940s, and they invented a machine to peel and devein shrimp. And so they send it to you frozen. It, goes, it comes to you in a, a box with the uh, dry ice in it. You pop that into your freezer, and then when you want it, you just take it out of your freezer, drop it into boiling water, and then cut the bag open, put it on your plate. It's, you know, from freezer to pot to plate in just a few minutes. So it's phenomenally fresh, uh, fresh-tasting shrimp, some of the best that you can get, and it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee, i.e., if you try prime shrimp with promo code UGA Sports, which gets you $20 off your first order, and for any reason you don't like it, just tell them and they will give you a full refund. You don't have to send back your shrimp uh, bag or anything like that. You don't have to worry about it. Just say, hey, look, I didn't like it. And 
they, they're not going to ask you any questions. They're not going to make you fill out any forms or anything, anything like that. They're just going to say, okay, fine. You didn't like it? Here's your money back. So I want everyone to go to Prime Shrimp, order a couple of the bags that they have there. If you use, again, promo code UGA Sports, you get $20 off. That's going to get you basically a free bag of their uh, flavored shrimp. You know, they have the seasoned shrimp. They have the French Quarter Alfredo. They have the garlic herb butter, uh, uh, cracked peppered lemon. Try any of those or just the plain and use the promo code UGA Sports. Get $20 uh, off. So that'll get you a whole a second bag off your first order. Uh, also, want to mention our friends over at My Perfect Franchise, Andy Lodecki. So basically what Andy did was this is a guy who's like, hey, I'm tired of not working for myself. I want to look. I want something. I want to get out of this rat race. And he did it. Now he's helping others to do it. It's free for you. It doesn't cost anything. Hit up. Go to MyPerfectFranchise.net or call Andy. Email him. Let him know that, hey, I know you have like 3,000 different franchises. I'm looking to either stay in my job and have a side hustle or a side business. I'm looking to invest. You know, I want to I want to get out of what I'm doing. I want to uh, start living my dream. I want to work, you know, I want something turnkey. I want something. I want the security of a successful concept, but the financial independence to be my own boss. Reach out to Andy Ludecki at My Perfect Franchise. Uh, let him know that you heard about him at UGA Sport, on Sports, UGA Sports Live Show. Um, he's a sponsor of our website. He's helped a ton of Georgia fans start new businesses. And they're, they're successful businesses. So it's not going to cost you anything. He's not a hard sales guy. He's like, look, what do you want to do? And I'll take care of it. So he does a great job. Reach out to Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net when you get a chance. One Georgia connection I wanted to mention about Billy Napier is that his brother, Matt Napier, is the head coach at LaGrange High School. And uh, he had previously been at Callaway High School when I worked over in local TV in that direction. So Billy Napier's ties to northwest georgia pretty darn strong i did not realize that mm -hmm. uh, let's get to some questions here from sure. our folks over at ugasports.com we always appreciate these this is from daddy dog 92 he says in the around the league show which thank you for watching that that's uh, typically every thursday sometimes on <laughs> that's Friday. why you went with that question first I it's also the very first one that came in but uh, sure. still I, I could have gone somewhere else. I said in the around the league podcast last <laughs> week, coach said that teams will be able to throw on Georgia because we have some problems covering people. Why does coach feel this way? Is it that we don't have the players? Is it the scheme? Is it inexperience? And what can Georgia do to possibly fix that going forward? Well, first of all, we got players, we got the scheme, we, we got everything. Uh, it's the same one that we've always run. It's just, some uh, inexperience at certain positions uh, lends itself to uh, people sometimes running uh, open that normally wouldn't. But, you know, the people are going to uh, throw the ball on uh, on every team. It's just a question of how many you can limit them to, uh, particularly when you got your best player is getting beat some. I mean, last week when we played Vanderbilt, uh, Keeley was beaten on that one throw. The ball went through the guy's hand. He jumped up. Uh, that would, you know, and he's going to get beat some, but we got enough problems without him uh, giving up some plays or having penalty on a, uh, point. you know, a third and 17 like he did that one time. So, but I would say just in a nutshell, we haven't got a really good rush to this point because Carter's not in there to take up a little bit. Our linebackers are, are not as good on conventional downs because they're, they don't read quite as good as people that have been playing a lot. Uh, so 
the play action hurts us some, and that happens to everybody. And then we have a new guy at star. We have a new guy at corner, and both of them have had uh, some some ups and downs. That's why you're playing uh, Everett in there some at corner for Lasseter, and you're playing uh, uh, Smith in there for uh, you know at, at star uh, some too. So both safeties have played pretty well, uh, and Dan Jackson on top of that. But Smith right now midseason. Uh, you know, a lot of All-American teams, and so is uh, Starks on the freshman. So, in a nutshell, youth at three positions in the secondary, one position at linebacker, not having Carter inside, uh, having trouble against the run when people really are convinced they're going to run it. So, when they do that, that sets up the play action. So, uh, we're good defense, but we're not a awesome defense yet. So, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I would rank it as one that's developing and uh, going to get really challenged the next four weeks. So we're going to get some different styles of attack, but uh, all of them have really good ways to move the ball. And this is all interconnected too, right? What helps a defensive back group more than anything? It's a defensive line that can stuff the rush and then get to the passer. Well, George is much better at that when Jalen Carter plays. So that helps a ton. But then also a guy like Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, who just hasn't been practicing up to the caliber to play in games as much. Like that stuff makes a difference at this point. Yeah, we haven't stuffed the run this year. I mean, realistically, that uh, people, but people are behind against this, so they don't run. That's a good point. I always forget the fact that uh, when you look at the, you know, Georgia's rushing stats and their points per game, you're like, wow, Georgia's this is a great defense. Statistically, it's the second best defense in the nation when it comes to points allowed. But uh, again, when you're feasting on Kent State and Samford and Vandy, you know, and uh, teams like that. In other words, I appreciate the hard truth, Coach, because then after a game where you've given up something or, you know, you see uh, Missouri have some success, it was like, where the hell did that come from? And it's, you know, because if we don't talk about it beforehand, you know, then. Yeah. Just, and I'm not bagging on us. I, I think. No. I think it's, what it's we an will, assessment. You're not going to blow smoke up our butt. What so we will sure. have is a, a developing defense. I see some really good depth starting to, to really, uh, you know, ever – uh, Nylon Green's back now. He gives you a guy, too, that can uh, come in there some. And and all of a sudden, uh, these linebackers uh, getting up some more reps help uh, our depth there. But, you know, having nobody's talked about it, but Munden's missed the last two games. Having him back is going to help us on a every down defense because he can play the run and the pass. And the, the advantage of Walker and uh, Marsh, you know, those guys playing some in linebacker uh, and Davis is, is going to help us. Plus they'll be better on special teams because they've been in there. So uh, like I mentioned, if you just go back to the first of the show, our one through 44 is going to help us win these games, not the offense, the defense or the special, the collectivity of all of them accentuating each other is going to make it uh, a team win. Uh, to me, I think the, our team is going to have to win these games, not the, the different segments of it. Uh, playing position football, playing down and distance football, playing uh, against the, the charts, uh, doing everything that a team has to do to win. You know, kind of like what you saw with Chicago Bears beat uh, 
Patriots last night. I mean, they just kept the ball away from them and uh, made the third down plays. And uh, people that want to bag on Justin Fields, you need to watch that game last night and see a pro quarterback. Pretty impressive. They finally learned maybe he should run a little bit more. <laughs> Took him a couple of years. They finally figured it out. Hey, speaking of the NFL, I want to give a shout out to Quay Walker, coach, uh, rookie in the NFL. Uh, in the in the game against uh, for, for the Packers this past weekend, he had 13 tackles, had a quarterback hurry, defended a pass. He ranked second among NFL rookies with 52 tackles. Yeah, he's doing good. Davis is doing good. I mean. Uh, I would say that's a guy you don't have. I mean, nothing against Pop and Smile Munden, but when you look at the three guys that Georgia lost at inside linebacker, that's right. <laughs> those guys are kicking ass in the NFL. It's not just how about Tom. How about Tom Brady and uh, Rodgers right now? Both on the between them, they've lost six games in a row. Uh, so it I'm happens sure. to the I'm, best. I'm crying. I'm crying. Agent of the guard and Matt Ryan now not the starter for oh, yeah, Indianapolis. He got benched, did he? He got benched and he's hurt. It's both. Put that kid in from Texas. Try to see Hook him horns. <laughs> Let's get to this question from NBA Timber Dog. He says, you guys do a great job on the show. And I listen every Tuesday on my way home from work. We thank you for doing that. He says, coach, I've been very blessed to have met several former UGA players lately. Guys like Rennie Curran and Terrell Davis. He said, all the guys I've met have been class acts. What type of role do former players play in the current dogs, so the current team, in the areas of recruiting and culture building and motivation and the mindset of current players. So what do former players do to help current players, Coach? I think one of the things that uh, every coach, not, not just Coach Smart, but you you always want to have a bridge between the past and the future. And uh, it's always good for for the players that have played here to, to come by and be around the program and feel welcome. One of the good things about Kirby being a player here, it's maybe a little easier for some of the players because they don't have to meet the coach. They already know the guy. And he's done a really good job of reaching out to his friends and people in, that played before he was here. Uh, I know he uh, really, you know, goes every year to when they have Wally's boys come, those older guys have a reunion. He always goes and speaks to them. Uh, same thing with Coach Dooley when uh, in the summer we have a, uh, reunion of all the players and coaches come to a scrimmage and Kirby speaks to it before and you have a nice little luncheon together. So good camaraderie. And, uh, you know, the, the winning programs have that, you know, at Oklahoma we had it, it was really good. I mean, you just knew that you were among some really good people and they have a deal called Sooners Helping Sooners where people are on their, are having trouble. They, uh, they've got a fund set up to help people if all of a sudden, you know, some guy dies and his wife doesn't have a lot of insurance to help them out. And same thing here. We, we just uh, help your fellow players and coaches. It, it's good. And that, 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 the, the other thing that Kirby has is he has a, a lot of people that are graduates of Georgia, not just football players. They have a deal every year where they, you know, like when people come to campus and you have these different people interview you for jobs, on job fair, they do that for football players only, and they they meet with all these executives and help them get jobs and things like that. So it's really a good. It's not just football here; it's all about the the culture. I uh, can't say how important that is for because folks always talk about recruiting, like NIL and stuff like that. I can tell you one of the things I'd say about 
10, 12 years ago, there was a negative against Georgia or there was a negative recruiting aspect was, uh, you know, Notre Dame, Clemson, some of these other teams were saying, look, here is our alumni network. If you come to this school and you don't make it to the NFL, let's say you get hurt and they would just highly illustrate that alumni network. And, you know, Georgia didn't have one as well built. Now they have the mentoring program and they built it up a lot. So I'm going to give those guys a, a lot of credit for basically taking away a negative recruiting angle and saying, look, you know, if you come to Georgia and you're an out-of-state kid, it doesn't matter. But when you leave here, we're going to have people lined up to help you get a job. And that's been a uh, that's a great selling point to the parents when you have them coming on those official visits. You're like, look, you know, we know uh, this kid wants to go pro, but if he doesn't, mom – if he's a graduate from the Terry College of Business, you know, with this marketing degree, we've got, um, you know, all this stuff lined up. So that's big, you know, and it helps the former players to the question there. They can say, yes, I I am a living testament to that. I don't call it an alumnus placement program, but that alumni opportunity environment. I think that's big. So that's been a very, very good thing for UGA. Here's a question from Gibbs Dog 15, and I have not really observed this. He says, Coach, is there an NCAA rule that outlaws watching film or viewing images of plays on sidelines? At high school level, you see every team with a tent and a TV watching the previous drive. The NFL has the tablets. I'm wondering about the college level. I don't think you can use uh, in college. I think it's a, you can't use any, uh, any kind of uh, video on the sideline or in the booths. I know some teams – secretly have some uh, TVs up in the uh, box that the guys kind of look out of the side on the replays, but uh, not, not anybody that I know per, per, in particular. <laughs> Such a liar. I love it. I know. I know when they first came out with the, uh, those uh, Polaroid shots where, you, you know, really were great because you would right before the snap, we had a guy that would take the Polaroid of what the defensive front was, you know, and that was really good for calling plays. I mean, you knew exactly what their movement was and you could see it. And, but they outlawed that. And uh, we didn't really know about it till two years later, but no, we, we knew it was outlawed, but we kept on doing it. So uh, <laughs> we had some, uh, newspaper up in our box where we didn't we didn't want people to look into our box because we were we were actually still doing the polaroids <laughs> this question from p tech one is there a reason for day man i can imagine being the ga aside to do that hey uh, go take I, know a I know a team one time they used to film the first quarter of the game. But back then you, you had to get it, you know, the film had to be developed. Developed, yeah. And by the time they got down there at halftime, they had two GAs that were watching the film of the first quarter, at this, you know, and had it broken down what the team did. It was illegal as dog manure, but they did it. I, lo- I love it. <laughs> From P-Tech 1, is there a reason Georgia has blitzed so little this year? He says, I think we'll get picked apart by Tennessee and Mississippi State if we don't have more blitzing packages. We we haven't blitzed because we hadn't needed to. We got it. Uh, what happens when you blitz? And he, he makes a good question there. Uh, and what happens is you, you're, you're playing man coverage. So you give a, a team that's at a little bit of a disadvantage a chance to get one-on-one. And if they make the play and you don't get to them, they can have a big play on you. So when you're ahead, you don't need to do that much. But 
we will have more of a blitz package against Tennessee and uh, these people. I can guarantee you that because uh, we're going to try to get the ball away from them. We hadn't had to do that much this year except against Missouri. You know, we haven't really trailed much. So I don't think he needs to worry about us. I mean, what I'm worried about is if we do, how are we going to cover them? But uh, we're going to pressure them. I promise you that. I need that because each week I keep saying that this is the week they're going to get after him. But then, as you point out, when you're up, you know, four scores, you don't really need to bring the blitz back. Yeah, we're playing, we're playing <laughs> the down and distance, man. Yeah, I'm like it's twenty-eight nothing blitz corner blitz. Well, you, you're it's a good point. You don't need to, but I always <laughs> keep thinking that I tell people, you know, all the time, oh, this is the week they're coming after the QB. I really think we have run more corner blitzes than you might think. But uh, you know, I'm, I sit next to you and watch the games. You know, I miss this stuff. That's why you got to. Well, I'm out. not just talking about you. I'm talking about overall corner yeah. blitz is is not nearly as much of a chance as a, as an inside backer blitz, maybe because right. you know your safety can go over the top and cover the guy pretty quickly. But all right, yeah. what do we got next here? Let's get some tough questions. These are good questions. Are well, we well, we got to take a quick break. I want to mention our friends over at uh, uh, Oh yeah, Dead Soxie because. We always talk about the uh, fantastic you know, UGA socks they have, but they also have just some for your regular work effort. You know, they have the uh, dress socks for the boardroom. So check out the you know work socks, if you will. They're, they're nice uh, dress socks. It's, it's not the standard black or standard blue like you've seen in the past. I want you to check these out. And we had a ton of people last week because they had their score sale. They gave Georgia fans 55% off, probably the best sale of the year. Uh, for anybody that needed the one of the, you know, any, any socks from them. So we shout out to them for doing that all week last week. But now if you're like, Hey, Christmas is coming up. I mean, we're, what is the 25th? We're almost at the end of uh, uh, October. It'll be uh, November, December. I need to get some cool socks for work or, you know, I need, like the gentleman last week that had, uh, on our last show that actually had 300 of them made with his company logo on it. Uh, shout out to him. If you want some great socks for your coworkers, for members of your family, remember use UGA, use promo code UGA Sports, get 25% off. But check out their dress socks. These are fantastic looking socks. They look really good, great styles. I think you'll love them. So hit, hit up Dead Socks if you get a chance. And of course, also want to mention our friends over at Academia Brewing Company. I wish I was there right now. They have some new menu items. One of the best ones right now is they've, uh, they have a new barbecue sandwich. They took their slow-roasted uh, Caribbean pork shoulder. It is now served with uh, their house barbecue sauce on a buttery brioche bun paired with uh, the side of your choice and your favorite academia brew. This Look at this a, thing. You got it? I got it. You see yeah. that? That's just... It's it's phenomenal. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So uh, try that out when you get a chance. And, of course, they also have uh, a, a new beer out called what's up doc it's a carrot cake brown ale six percent alcohol by volume uh i gotta try the carrot cake brown ale that's just oh my god <laughs> i'm killing myself so i want that barbecue sandwich or their their new black and blue burger and in, in other words there's a ton of new menu items over at uh, academia brewing company and there's always new beers check them out great place to watch the game this saturday if you're not in jacksonville so and where your uh dead socky socks over there That'll be a twofer and uh, great combination. You'll look good and you'll eat well. So hit them up when you get a chance. From I've been good, how hard is it to pull your starters in a game like this? We all know that Kirby Smart wants to beat them by 100, but also wants to keep the team healthy for Tennessee next week. You know, you just uh, 
one of the things that uh, Kirby does a really good job with on uh, Saturday morning that that uh, they always talk about the what if. If so-and-so goes down, what are we going to do? Uh, are we going to move this guy? We're going to do this. If if we get a lead, uh, how, how quickly are we going to put these guys in? What are we going to do? Are we going to maybe play our first-team line and our second-team quarterback? Are we going to play our second-team secondary and our second-team line? I mean, they talk about all these things, so it's just not an emotional. But we have enough good players that uh, – you know, I thought Kirby made a really good point at the end of the game last week, and we listened to it on the Watch Along show, where he said there was a lot of pride in the people that got in the game, and a lot of times when, you know, it's a runaway game, then they make mistakes and penalties and all, and you don't get the shutout. But there, people worked hard at that. Not that they were trying to beat Vanderbilt in a submission. It's just a pride fact that, you know, they wanted to not let the other kids down. So, uh, but – you go over that, but at the same time, it's not not a big priority as far as what because you never know what's going to happen. We talked about in the Sanford game, even though you plan on them happening, it never got out of hand, and we never were able to, to do that as much as we want to. So there's a plan in place, but uh, that's the kind of plan you like to be able to go to if you can do it because you want to reward these kids. They practice. I mean, they. Their parents are at the game. Uh, you let them play, and if it, if it ends up not being the score that you wanted, it's good for morale. And let me just tell you something: morale is the best ingredient of any team, of any organization. If you feel good about who you're playing with and who you're working for, and all that, and every day you get up and you want to go to work and you feel good, it's just a lot better than somebody griping about things. And if a guy's not getting to play, uh. When it's a runaway game, it's hard to look them in the face and say, "Why did you, you know, why did you put me in, Coach?" I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, uh, so you're saying morale is low at Texas A&M? Lower than whale manure. <laughs> that is low. That is low. But uh, you know, I, th- I think we talked about this a long time ago on one of these shows uh, Thursday. You, you talk to all your players, everybody on your team, the walk-ons, the, the, the guys are getting red-shirted. Here's where you are. You talk to them about their grades because you don't want to lose them, and the only time you talk to them is right before the bowl game. You need to talk to them weekly and keep keep up with them and find out what's going on with them and what's making them tick and how you doing in the weight room and how you doing in class and all that. And, hey, look, Roddy, you're not going to get to play much this week. There's yeah, a good- you say there's a better player in front of you than me. Uh, but, you know, uh, or, hey, Dane, look, you practice hard this week. Uh, I know you, can, you can't move like I thought you could, but we're going to put you in there a little bit just to make your parents happy. That's what happens. That's what it does. Do. Yeah, I know you want to keep – as the fans – I wouldn't think fans can make the call because at one point you're like, hey, I want to hang a 50-burger on them. You know, I want to keep pounding them but at the same time. If you're so worried about getting a guy hurt, but I go back to the fact that what Kirby said yesterday, Jalen, I mean, uh, Jalen Carter got hurt on the first snap of the Oregon game, hurt his ankle. So, and then what was the second play that uh, uh, A.D. Mitchell got hurt against Sanford? I mean, here's the thing thing you can always look at, though. When we do put those people in the game, what are we doing? 
Hey, we both times we put Beck in in games, we were still airing that sucker out. <laughs> That's true. So that gives you a pretty good idea what how Kirby feels about the other team. So, I mean, these guys go, these guys on our second team go against the first team all the time. They're probably going against better players in practice than they are in the game, and some and, and against some of these teams. So, I like it when we we just don't take it and hand the ball off and yeah. try to run the clock out. I like to see these because you got to develop depth. And I tell you, Beck's got some good playing time this year, and he's come through pretty well. well same with those guys in secondary. You see, you know, they're they're sending Dalen Everett. You know, they're sending Jalen Walker. You know, when those second, third, and fourth string guys get in the game. Uh, their their defense is bringing the heat, so I like to see it. So, but again, that's guys you're going to need. So, I, I I'll be excited to see if if I would love to see some of these guys get their first taste of that game. As uh, you know, it, in other words, their first start isn't the first time they've been on the field in Jacksonville. So, let's. And I would say this to a fan uh, that and most most of the people that watch this are longtime Georgia fans. And uh, let me just tell you that this is an experience of a lifetime to be able to coach in this game, to be able to uh, play in it, to be a part of it. Tradition rich situation that not many teams ever have this kind of tradition. Uh, OU Texas has it, uh, Georgia, Florida, but uh, I'm telling you now, it's a special, special game. And uh, you can't make light of it just because we're 22 point favorite. I mean, come on, you got to, you know, how much it meant to Spurrier. I mean, he, he still talks about it. So, uh, yeah, he does. He talks a lot more about the games that he coached in than the ones he played in, but uh, <laughs> he, he definitely had our number, that's for sure. With the question about getting some backups in there, I'll remind people that there are some special teams roles where you don't necessarily have backups. Like Stetson Bennett still goes out there to be the holder on these extra point attempts. But, Coach, speaking of the special teams, I mentioned this because did you see Weber State giving up four safeties because I the long snapper got yips? I said that to Kirby. I never heard of anybody snapping the ball over. I, I mean, I would have had to change changed the snap or at least gone for it or something after the second one. I mean, for the fans out there, the guy from Weber State snapped it over the, the punter's head four times, four safeties, eight points. Uh, Guinness Book of Records got to be. I, told I didn't you about, hear that. Wow. I told you about the time when we played, when I was redshirted and our team played out at Wyoming and Oscar Overcash snapped it over the goalpost uh, because of the altitude. I mean, he snapped it into the stands. One of the worst snaps I've ever seen. I tell you, the worst snap that I ever got when when I was playing at at, at the swamp, I was a sophomore, and Smitty was our punter. He's now, I mean, our snapper. He's now a lawyer down in uh, South Georgia. Uh, he he snapped it over my head in the swamp, we were on like the 45 and I turned around on about the 25 and picked it up and started to run and try to kick it rugby style. And about the time I turned around, Jack Card, number one, hit me and knocked me about 15 yards back. <laughs> and uh, our coach, smart ass that he was, he said, I told you to pin them, but I meant in our territory, not theirs. <laughs> <laughs> what an ass. I said, coach, I could catch them snap. That was the most. That was the worst I ever felt after that snap over my head. Terrible. And that's what. Well, hey, that's some weird stuff that happens in this Georgia Florida game. So it creeps me out a little bit. 
Hey, uh, before we uh, get to the last couple of questions, I want to mention our friends over at uh, Europi. I'd mentioned there the location in LaGrange and um, good to know that the folks in LaGrange actually watched the show. So that means a lot to us. Shout out to uh, that. That is, and by the way, that is a great location. They do, they have uh, uh, events there all the time. So if you're in the LaGrange area, Columbus, uh, West Point, swing by LaGrange and check out the Europi there. But there's also, uh, I want to mention the second LaGrange other. reference of the show. I'm sorry, really? That's the second Lagrange reference of this show. Yeah, today. Yeah. I also mentioned uh, there's one in Delonica. I know that for a fact because uh, <laughs> my son's at Delonica now. Uh, there's one in Clarksville, Clemson, uh, Monroe, Loganville, Lawrenceville, Cumming, Flowery Branch. Hey, yeah, gotta check out Flowery Branch. Alpharetta, of course. There's some in Atlanta, McDonough. There's shout out to the one in Watkinsville. That's the one I frequent. Yeah, the one in Watkinsville is, fan- is fantastic. So, point being, there's a ton of them out there. Um, you need to go check them out when you get the chance. Uh, Big Creek, uh, Mountain Park, they're all over the place. But it, today's a good day to do it because today's, today is double points Tuesday. So if you're near it coming and you want to go uh, hit up the local Europe, be sure to get all your points today because then you'll get free pizzas, free breadsticks, free gelato, free drinks, stuff like that. So uh, there's a lot of locations. They're all over the place. Hit them up when you get a chance, especially today on Tuesday with Double Points Day. Also, I miss your friends over at Athens Ford. You know, it's been the it's been a long time since they've been able to do specials because they've had they haven't had a ton of cars coming in. Uh, everything's been sold before it could get here, but they do have a summer sales event. So we're here in the fall, but there are some sales of um, some that are on sale through the end of the month. You can get $2,000 off a of Ford Expedition. You get $2,000 off a of Ford Explorer, uh, $1,500 off a of Ford Escape, and $4,000 off a of Ford F-150. Now, those are all 2022 models. And if you are qualified, if you don't want to get the uh, $2,000 off or the $4,000 off on the Explorer, the uh, Escape, and the F-150, you can choose um, – or, uh, or sometimes you can double them up. You get 2.9% APR for 60 months. So if you're like, hey, I think, let me do the financing. Do the financing, get 2.9% APR for 60 months on the uh, Ford Escape, Ford F-150, or the uh, Ford Explorer. But again, it's been a long time we've been able to do this because the inventory has been pretty low, but they also have a pretty good pre-owned inventory as well, better than you're going to find anywhere else in this area. I've seen that firsthand. So Hit up a friends at Athens Ford when you get a chance. Let's limit answers to about 30 seconds for our, we have six questions left. I think we can get to all of them. North Buckhead Dog asks, how important is it for Georgia to establish a downfield threat in the passing game the next few games? And how concerned is Coach Donnan about Georgia's ability to do so if A.D. Mitchell can't play or if Georgia struggles to get Arian Smith back in the mix? I still think we got different ways to get it downfield with Bowers, Washington, uh, Kiaris Jackson, uh, if we can keep running the ball as efficiently as we can, we can hit hit a lot of play action, which that's where you really get the big plays, the show passes. You don't get the the deep balls that much. So, uh, and McConkey, hopefully, he's coming back from turf toe. So, I feel good about that. From red and black in the day, in your opinion, what are the real risks to college football when NIL becomes more mature and the midseason transfer portal entries more frequent? Well, I mean. He, rhetorical question it's it's a real risk i mean it, it's it is what it is though i mean uh, just like the gas prices or what are we going to do about them i mean what are you going to do throw your heads up hands up in there i mean it is what it is 
So you got to deal with it. it I'm, I'm seeing people tune out already because the, the thing about college football was that they were amateurs and they played for your school. And then with a kid that you, you know, you bought his jersey when he was a sophomore and he blew up, you know, and you got all excited about him. Now he's playing at a rival. It's the same thing that happened to the NFL. You know, you used to have a guy that would come play for the Bears and he was a bear for life. And now that, you know, you see him at eight different teams, it becomes a cult of personality and not a love of the game itself. You like this certain player and you don't care where he goes because you liked him, you know, but uh, we're seeing, I'm seeing some people say, look, I just don't like the sport as much as I used to. So that's reality. This from Coach, the O is a zero in the handle. It says, as a developer of quarterbacks in your career, what was the first thing you looked at when recruiting a quarterback? Ooh, good question. Oh, I don't know that it's the first thing, but uh, accuracy right off the bat, because you either got it or you don't. Uh, I, I really liked accuracy as a number one of the number one tools. Obviously, you got to work on quickness, arm strength, all those things, uh, acumen, character, uh, leadership. Uh, and nowadays, athleticism, because you got to be able to dodge some people. But uh, if a guy can throw the ball in the ocean from a rowboat, I wouldn't take him. From Strange Noah, I know Kirby doesn't like listening to the media, but he has to hear some of it. Do you think that he's salivating at the fact that Georgia is the least talked about number one team in some time? He hasn't had to talk about the rat poison that much. I don't think Kirby gets too caught up in that stuff, uh, but maybe we haven't been talked about enough at being number one by some people. But uh, it, the next couple of weeks going to really know who the number one teams are because of Games Ohio State at Penn State, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Tennessee. I mean, a lot of things are going to rock and roll here, and we'll see who's number one. But uh, for us to be in that position with all the guys we lost, I'm not talking about just the 15 guys in the NFL. We lost 13 to the transfer portal, too, and didn't bring in one transfer. I, I think that speaks very highly that we could beat 7-0 and without really uh, changing our roster or anything except the freshman that came in. From B-Dog 89, any insight on why Georgia doesn't target Darnell Washington more in the red zone after seeing his touchdown from the SEC championship game last year? It's notable that he has no touchdown receptions at this point. Uh, that's a damn good question. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. Uh, there, there's no, to me, there's no answer for it. I mean, I understand that you need him to block on some of this stuff, but Jesus, so such a mismatch, you know, when you're – in the red zone there. Here's the thing. We get we get mad because we throw the ball on first down instead of running it, and uh, then we run it and don't make any yardage. And then, you know, I mean, it just – it's hard to – I mean, calling plays is tough. I mean, you can't you can't feed every mouth. And, you know, why didn't we get it to Bowers? Why didn't we throw the ball to uh, McIntosh, all that? But uh, I would say that Western Union would be a good little Western Union or uh, – even uh, any kind of little tip there. I, I think he's got a chance in the red zone. Two more. Three Dog 88 says, Coach, it seems like you're concerned with the defense and feel like there may be some holes that get exposed. Is there a certain opponent that you're worried about or do you think everyone left on the schedule may pose problems going forward with this defense? Yeah, I'm not near as worried about it as I was just making the definitive statement that we probably haven't been challenged as much as, we, as we're getting credit for. 
we we have some issues there, but I do feel like a collective unit we're pretty good. But uh, certainly Tennessee presents problems to anybody with their wide splits and the way they can throw and catch it and run. But uh, I would say Tennessee presents the biggest problem that we're going to face this year. And finally, because it is Georgia, Florida, and we have Jim Donnan on this show. This comes up every year, and I'd like to go back to it. Big old dog says, what are some behind-the-scenes nuggets that Coach Donnan can share from that huge victory over Florida in 1997? Well, I know people get tired of listening about that, but it wasn't. <laughs> we finally no, got, the no, they don't. <laughs> got the monkey off our back, and uh, that was some Coach Dooley talked about to me right when I first got here. said, we got to get – find some way to catch up with Florida. And uh, I don't know that we ever caught up with them when I was here, but we got a lot closer. But, uh, you know, just the week of the game, I remember Johnny Major speaking at the touchdown club and uh, Georgia uh, came over here and watched this practice. And he was amazed that uh, we were going one against one live out there. And he said, that's the way you get your team ready. And I said, look, I told Robert Edwards, I told, our defense, I said, we gotta, we're got we going to play against better players than what we're going to see in practice here uh, on our scout team. we got to get ready. So we went full speed for about eight or ten plays, and Johnny Majors was patting me on the back, and I said, hey, Coach, I don't know. I don't need that. He said, but, hey, it takes a lot of guts to go against each other, but that'll help you this week, and it did. We, we played ball in the air pretty good, and then uh, I remember going to the game, and uh, one of the ladies that uh, thought it was uh, Florida's bus and it was ours and then found out it was ours and gave me the finger <laughs> I know. Uh, you know and she was a good looking girl too uh, just <laughs> gave it to me right there and then walking into the walking into the game uh, the guy the CBS guy who was the helper said coach uh, just want to tell you that I uh, hope everything goes well but we might if things aren't going that good, we might have to leave this game and go to another one. And I said, well, I said, I understand that, but I don't know why you're telling me that. But after the game was over, I, I told him, I sure I'm glad we could keep y'all's interest in the game, you know. When we got I remember that. that. <laughs> so uh, I kind of chapped my ass before the game a little bit. But, hey, the way we played the first half, we I was – I mean, I was – I told our team, I mean, we've done everything we can to give this game away, and we're still in it. Let's just go play the second half, and we did. And, boy, I tell you, uh, Robert Edwards took over the game. We blocked the perimeter, good Heinz Ward. It was a great win. Among the best I've ever been around. I think it's a quality way to end the show every time that we have the chance to have a College Football Hall of Famer that had that win for this program on this week in 1997. I know it didn't always go the way you wanted, Coach, but that is a particular memory. I've seen people ask you about it. Like, I, I know that that comes back to you a lot. So I'm glad you had that time. No, it's one of those legendary wins. Yeah. And, you know, the first year Spurrier said to me, hey, Jimmy, we're going to wear the blue pants today. What do you think? I said, I don't give a shit about what kind of pants you wear. <laughs> and we didn't play very good, but they had it on their blue pants. But uh, yeah. Well, all right. That's good to have a good show. Hey, Dane, could you call me? I need to ask you one thing. All right. All right, folks. That's all the time we have for this week's show. We really appreciate it. Uh, shout out to our podcast sponsors, Academia Brewing Company, Athens Ford, Your Pie, Dead Soxy, Prime Shrimp, and My Perfect Franchise. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday. We'll be talking about the uh, Georgia-Florida game. We'll be recapping it and looking ahead to Georgia-Tennessee.
uh, next uh, following Saturday at 3.30 in Athens. I'm pretty sure college game day will be there. It's going to be a zoo. Uh, but you got to get through the world largest, world's largest outdoor cocktail party first, and we will see you next Tuesday. Take care. Tennessee, watch out for the cats.